Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 261 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Angie Bickerton. Angie lives on Bainbridge Island, Washington, where she works for the local parks department. And one of the things she does is lead water fitness classes, which I'm super excited to talk to her more about. Welcome, Angie. Hi, Jen. It's great to see you. It is great to see you as well. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well... You know how it goes. It's a long road of <laughs> women and dieting. And uh, anyway, I, I've always eaten really healthy, but I've eaten too much and eaten over a long period of time every day. I was a grazer, picker, mm-hmm. and lots of small meals. And now I know that I was just keeping my insulin raised 
for indefinite periods of time. But I tried all the normal things and, you know, I was able to keep my weight pretty under control until I had kids and that whole thing. And then things just escalated from there. And then when you're concentrating on the children, it's just, you know, you take second place and I didn't want to think about it. I want to look at the scale. I want to think about what I weighed and try various things. I always wanted to look, I was always looking for what's the best diet for, how should we be eating? You know, my mom was a health food nut and she cooked a lot of good food and uh, explored veganism and, and, you know, vegetarianism and just different things or whole foods and no sugar and this and that. Little did I know that the answer was not food, but no food at all, really. It's, the, it's a lot of the, the That's so funny. You know, I was the same way. I searched for so many years to find the magical food that would allow me to just eat as much as I wanted all day long and lose the weight. There was no magical food that allowed me to do that because now we know, like you said, it's it's keeping our insulin high and then we're in storage mode. Somebody today in the community asked for, they said, how do we store fat? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to put up an article because I'm not going to be able to explain that off the top of my head. So I found a great article. I think it was like how stuff works or whatever. But it talked about, it was great. It talked about insulin being high and then we're storing. And I'm like, you know, we know this. This information is not new. It just hasn't quite gotten to everybody yet that we need to take a break to get insulin down. Exactly, exactly. And it just takes time till you... Well, you know, you stop and start and try different things. I never lost a whole bunch of weight and gained it back. I didn't do a big yo-yo-ish, but I'd lose, you know, five or 10 pounds and then stop. And then it just crept up as it does. I tried Noom and Weight Watchers and all these different things. And um, anyway, you know, when I got to be 40, 45, 50, and I'm thinking, this is getting critical. And between in my 40s, 40s to 50, I did a lot of caretaking. A lot of people close to me got ill and they died. And I was in a lot of nursing homes and the hospital bedsides. And I got to know a lot of people and saw the consequences of lifestyle behaviors in my own family and people around. And there's a lot of things we have no control over, but man, there's a lot of things we can control. When you're caretaking and caring for others, you put yourself on the back burner, don't you? Oh, for sure. You do a lot of that. and But it was a very instructive time anyway. But it also drove home to me the importance of health and my choices. And, and everyone said, it's so hard to lose weight in your 40s and 50s. And I gotten kind of, kind of desperate. And then the pandemic happened. Oh, yeah. And I saw what people are doing. They're doing it making their sourdough bread. They're conquering down, they're drinking wine. I thought this could go one of two ways. I can either just throw it all away or I can really double down and I double down. And I had a really good friend who was kind of my accountability partner and she and I would go for walks and we'd discuss this and we'd, we'd do things together. Anyway, I lost a little bit on Weight Watchers. I went out for a walk with her and I went to zip up my coat and it was a kind of a form-fitting coat. And it was hard to zip up over my midsection. And I thought, oh, am I wearing a bulky sweater? And I took stock. And no, I was the bulky thing in this uh. in this equation. And I realized I'd lost a little weight and I ga- gained some back and I gained back in my midsection. And I thought, okay, I know what this means. 
everybody gains weight in their midsection when they're my age and it leads to all these metabolic problems. And so that led me to low carb. I had a good friend who lost a lot of weight low carbing it for a while. And I thought that really would target my midsection weight. And I did and joined a clean keto group and learned about that and got down a few pounds. And I think it was a, I know it was this group that led me. I suddenly in my inbox, my email says, you have a book on hold, Fast Feast Repeat by Jen Stevens. And I thought, who is this Jen Stevens? And what is Fast Feast Repeat? How did it know- like get on hold? How did that happen? Well, I I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I hear about things and I put things on hold at the library. And I had done it months ago, ah. months before that. And so many other people were reading it. It finally came up. It was my turn to read it. And by that time, I'd forgotten why I'd put it on hold. <laughs> and I And so, and it just chills me. I almost didn't download it because I, I kind of forgot, but then I did. And I started listening and I listened through the entire thing, start to finish. And then I went back to the beginning and I listened to it again, start to finish. Then I went back and I listened to two chapters over again. There were the chapters on uh, the clean fast where you have all the testimonials from the different people as to, oh, I was just putting lemon in my water, or I was just putting a little cream in my coffee. And then when they stopped doing that, what a difference it made. Because I was one of those people. I was kind of fasting. I thought I was fasting, but I was putting heavy cream in my coffee and doing certain things. And and it was so hard to make it till noon, right? You know this. I do. And then I thought, after I read that, I thought, okay, all right, I'll try it. And the other chapter was on bioindividuality. And that blew me away. I went to Aaron Siegel. What was his name? His Facebook. Yep, Aaron Siegel. That's his name. Yeah. Oh, I have, I'm not on Facebook anymore. No, oh, I mean, his YouTube, his, yeah. his YouTube video. His and YouTube. Okay. It clicked. Click, it made so much sense. Again, it, how everybody is so different. And it made sense. Because my buddy who'd lost so much weight, low carb, she was checking her blood because she was pre-diabetic and she was checking her blood glucose all the time. And she said, it's the weirdest thing. You know, my blood sugar spikes after I eat quinoa, but not when I eat ice cream. That doesn't make any sense. And I thought, that's exactly what this guy's saying. And it just- It it kind of makes you a little mad, doesn't it? Yeah, because that's not what they're telling us. No, because I can remember using the glycemic index as like gospel, Mm. you know, because they are looking at the glycemic index and telling you this is what white bread does. This is what corn does, blah, blah, blah. And and you're like, this is a value. It's a number. You know, we we know numbers mean things. 98.6 means something to everybody when you're taking your temperature. We like things to have meaning. We know water boils at 212. You know, we, we know this, but... When it comes to glycemic index, they just took a bunch of people, found what the what happened to them, and then averaged it. And yes. it's like if we just it's it's like to me, if we took every woman's height and averaged it and said, here's how tall women are, that would be just as as meaningless as the glycemic index, really. But we're taught it like gospel. Exactly. That really the whole no the whole glycemic index thing hit me over the head because I was doing the same thing and I and to learn how they determine these numbers is just so arbitrary and just yeah I was so it just led me down down a path and anyway that was very instructive so I started clean fasting I thought well I didn't want to feel deprived um, what can I have I can have coffee I have can 
can have tea, I can have water. But it, I took this opportunity because I am a foodie and I love food and I love to cook and I love flavors. Took it as an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to become a tea connoisseur now, right? So I really explored all these different kinds of teas. I mean, tea is one of the widest consumed beverages in the world. You got oolong and Darjeeling and Sencha and so many different types of teas and different green and black and fermentation. So I did that and I did it with coffee. How many different roasts, dark, light. You know, it doesn't have to be flavor. Then they're from different parts of the world and different brewing methods. I just kind of messed around with that. And it was fun to explore those things. That really does sound like a lot of fun. Like you don't realize how many flavors are in how many different coffees there are. Chad and I went to Charleston last month and we went to a coffee importer and they had what they call a cupping where they let us try different coffees from different countries and they were so different from one another. And not only are the different countries different where the coffee originates from, but the way they roast it changes it completely. So like people who think they don't like coffee, they might just not like the roast that they had or the way it was brewed. It really does change from coffee to coffee. Like I don't like a medium roast. I do not. I like a dark roast. And now I know that. But I had to try it to see. Exactly. See, I'm just the opposite. I like a medium or a light roast, but I like it brewed really strong. Mm -hmm. I like my teeth to turn brown after I drink. You know, I like that (laughs) stuff. And living near Seattle, we're just across the sound from Seattle. And of course, we're Starbucks. They have this on Capitol Hill in Seattle, they've got this brewing facility. It's like the, it's like Willy Wonka. They've got these stainless steel tubes going everywhere and all these different, all these, it's just dedicated to coffee, coffee, coffee. And again, all these different roasts and brewing methods and flavor profiles. And oh my gosh, you can really get into it. So that mineral water and I, and then it was easy to make it to noon. Like I was trying to do before putting cream in my coffee. Right. And I got used to the black coffee and like everybody, you know, I, now I, I prefer it. It's kind of weird to have it with something in it. And then it was easy to go to one o'clock and then I expanded my fasting window just more and a little more and a little more. And then I just ate and I, I don't know, Jen, it's simple. It's it's not easy sometimes, but it was doable. But the right. thing is, what always kept me motivated, if it got getting hungry and whatever my challenges were, I kept thinking about all the health benefits of fasting. It wasn't just, I'm going to lose weight, but I know this is so good for me. And it kept me going and kept me going. And gradually my relationship with, with food changed and I started craving things that were really different. And it's just, and the weight came off. So when I started my all-time high weight that I remember was um, like 216 pounds. And and that was during that caretaking time. And it was difficult. But when I started intermittent fasting, I was around 205 or so. And then I started Mm -hmm. April. And how tall are you? I'm about 5'5". So April of 2021, mid-April is when I started. And that that summer and the beginning of that fall, I really lost the majority of, of my weight. I th- thought that I didn't lose anything from September to December. In my head, I thought. But I looked back at my Happy Scale app, and I did. I lost five pounds. But since the first of this year, I've been, I've been at the same weight, between 155 and 160, right around in that way. And I've just kind of stopped. And I've got about, I like to lose about 15 to 20 more. But for some reason, I'm kind of, 
I got hormonal stuff going on, other things going on, but ah. but that's okay. You know, I lost. A, a, Can you share your age? Do you, do you mind? Some people don't like I'm, to say no, their age. I'm, but I'm how old 54. Are you? I'm 54, and I lost the majority of this when I was 53. Okay. Yeah. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories. Promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. I'm 53, as you know, so we're very close in age. Are you going through menopause? Or are you on the, on the other side of I, menopause? How I have not, a, not officially gone through yet. So there's still that fluctuations happening. So I'm not officially in menopause yet, no. So, but fasting improved my menopausal symptoms so much. I could sleep so much better. I didn't wake up in a sweat and just so many other benefits as, as, as we know, but it just changed so many things. I really think it helped mine too. Like it really helped me go through the transition. I just start, you haven't heard me talk about this yet, although I've talked about it on episodes that I've recorded that aren't released yet, but I just started hormone replacement therapy for real. And it is making such a difference. So you may want, if you have a good OBGYN who will, who will test your hormone levels, I am now like <laughs> really speaking about hormone replacement therapy because I had gained over the past year, I had gained an inch around my waist. Mm. And it's not because I got more relaxed with what I was doing. You know, I had new blood work done with my new OBGYN and my fasted insulin level was up and my A1C was up from the last time I'd had it checked in about 2019. And, you know, I don't want to see things going up. I'm fasting. I'm doing everything right. I'm not eating differently than I had been. But recently on the Zoe podcast, which Tim Spector puts out, yep, they, had, that. Um, they, they, 
Yep. Did you hear the one where they talked about postmenopause? Women had yes. They found that their their glucose control got worse. Yes. And that was like really a wake up call to me because apparently estrogen isn't just because you know for female sexual health or whatever you know it's, we need it for other things too. It does other things in our bodies. So that was really, I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to have my waist to get bigger and I'm still fasting and my body's, you know, responding differently because I don't have the right hormones. So apparently all the hormones work together in a way that I don't know, maybe a lot of people knew it all along, but I really didn't. You know, I was so focused on insulin and keeping that low during the fast. But, you know, if you have your blood sugar control getting worse because of other hormonal changes, you may need to do other things. So I just wanted to pop that out there. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I I, I think I saw your post on Instagram about that, and I did hear the probably so, yeah podcast about that as well. Yep. yep. Well, that right there was so eye opening that that Huberman Lab August fifteenth episode, Peter Atia was on there, and they talked about aging in men and women. But after our one, you know, and I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so for me to listen that long was <laughs> saying something. But after our one. They started talking about hormone replacement therapy and how the study that convinced everybody that it was dangerous for women um, was based on a study where the headline reported 25% increase in breast cancer with hormone replacement therapy. And that sounds like a terrible increase, but it was in a thousand people on in each group, it was the difference of four people versus five people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really really eye-opening and it's a shame what's happened because of that study. Yeah. And so Peter Atia said he felt that this was like the worst travesty in healthcare over the past few decades, you know, making women hesitant to do hormone replacement therapy. So everybody who's listening, damn, I'm not a doctor, (laughs) but I can say like last night I slept for eight and a half hours. Mm, Delicious. (laughs) It was delicious. That's a good way of putting it. And my waist is already down. My waist measurement's down. So, and I can tell a difference in my skin anyway. I'm, you know, I'm not just a fasting evangelist now. I've got other things yet. So I go through the stages of life. I'm learning new things. So ladies going through menopause, I apologize for not knowing. Oh, I I think, I think it's huge. You know, it was super easy before. Well, we don't talk about it enough. Boy, we do not. I'm telling you. I know. Yeah. And the fasting does help with a lot of menopausal symptoms. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm under the care of a naturopath and she's recently ordered a hormone panel. And so I'm, I'm sure I'm- Oh, good. Yeah. She's on her, she specializes in bioidentical hormones. And I'm pretty sure I'm going down that route because uh, yeah, I think, and it, and it needs to be done, they said, sooner rather than later. It's better if you start yep, from here. That's exactly yeah. right. My friend that, who's an OBGYN that finally talked me into it, you know, I was talking about some of the symptoms that I was experiencing, you know, in the, the female regions and those are very mm-hmm. unpleasant, but it wasn't still, I hadn't you know, done anything about it. She's like, that's not the only thing you're going to go through. She was talking about my skin and my bones and my muscles. I'm like, oh, <laughs> why did yeah. I not know this? And so- <laughs> The thing about intermittent fasting is it's amazing and it it corrects so many things in our bodies, but it can't do everything. Intermittent fasting can't make you magically have estrogen when you're on the other side of menopause. So, you know, we need to do other things besides fasting. Yeah, it's true. And because our bodies are constantly changing, we're changing all the time. So if you get into a rut of something, 
we have to go with the flow. And as our bodies change, as we get older, we need to be uh, open to change and to look at things differently for sure. Yeah. We have to work with the bodies we have at that moment. You know, not the body I had in 2018 or the body I had in 2016. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people who have done intermittent fasting for a while like me, and they they go through these changes, something happens, and suddenly their body is doing something different. And they're like, oh, fasting stopped working. I'm like, well, no, fasting never stops working in your body, but it's only doing the things it can do. There are other things going on that you may need to address. Maybe you had some antibiotics and your gut is out of whack and you got to focus. Fasting is good for the gut, but it can't alone fix a gut. No. And food food choice matters. Environment matters. There's so many other inputs that we have in our systems that we need to look at. Fasting is huge, but it's not everything. But your book really led me down this path of... You know, after that, I I read, of course, Jason Fung, The Obesity Code, and then and Tim Spector, and The Diet Myth. Oh, my gosh. That book. <laughs> I mean, so many forehead-slapping moments in that. Those twin studies are absolutely astounding. And I it really led me down a rabbit hole of microbiome and health and all these different things and really changed the way I eat and influence my food choices. And Anyway, I've just... It's just opened up. Your book really opened up a window of I've just been down so many different rabbit holes and for the benefit of my health. And I just can't thank you enough for that. Yeah, it's great. I love hearing that. That makes me really happy because it's been such a journey for me as well. You know, and it started for weight loss, just as you mentioned you always had an eye for health and, and eating healthy foods, but you wanted to lose weight. You were over 200 pounds just as I was at 5'5", five five. and when you're over 200 pounds, you know you've got to get that excess fat off your body. But then you realize there's so much more than just losing the fat. We want to be healthy. We want to age well. We want to eat foods that nourish our gut. So you talked about how your relationship with food changed. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, I tell you, this is what I think fasting does. I feel like like my laptop, you know how our, our computers get bogged down with spam and cookies and all these extraneous programs yep. that they're running in the background and you clear the hard drive out and you don't realize, oh my gosh, my computer is running so efficiently. I feel like fasting does that to our bodies when we take away the spam and the cookies and our bodies, our brains aren't dealing with all these inputs, these chemical inputs that we have. And we can just run our bodies, giving our bodies true digestive rest. We're back to our original operating system. And then we interpret inputs so we can, we can really listen to our body. Graham Curry said something when I first started out a Facebook post I saw. So he said, listen to your body, not your cravings. And that really stuck with me because I first I thought, what's the difference? And then as time went on, I really felt what that difference was. There's a huge difference because I know what it feels like to crave, crave and want something. If I eat a, some sugar or something and they want more and more and more of it, as opposed to that quiet voice, huh, what do I really want to eat today? What does my body need? And there's a huge difference with that. And I feel like fasting leads its way to intuitive eating, which is really hard to do, I think, if you haven't fasted because you can't hear what your body is telling you. It's been fascinating. That is so very true, Angie. I know you've heard me talk about my journey with intuitive eating before where I couldn't do it. 
And, you know, I wanted to, I read the books, I listened to their voices and thought, well, it's, it's easy. I, they're doing it. You just have to listen better. And whenever I asked myself that question, they told me to ask, are you hungry? The answer was yes. Sure. I can always eat. I can eat right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I didn't need any more fuel. But you didn't really know the difference, the, the, what your body is telling you. Yeah, it's definitely a, a difference. And we don't, we don't know better. If we've never been without those inputs or never really let our body just run on fat or without food input, it, we don't know what that, what that feels like. The first time I did a meal this Monday, I did them last summer. It was kind of fascinating. I went to bed and I stopped eating Sunday night and then I, we didn't eat all day Monday, went to bed Sunday, uh, Monday evening. I remember thinking, I have never gone an entire day without eating something. Even as, as if I was ever at my sickest, I, of course, I ate some, drank some broth or some crackers or something. And I thought, it's kind of, it's crazy. It's really a place of privilege to be able to have food. But, and I was fine. It was kind of an empowering feeling to, your body can handle this. And it, is good for it to handle it once in a while. And uh, it was really interesting. That is really true. So do you still do um, some mealless days here and there? Is that part of your normal routine? Here and there I do. I was going to incorporate more when I reached this kind of plateau over the holidays. But well, January, I'll start again. Now they were doing an ADF alternate daily fasting challenge on this Facebook group I'm on. And I'm going to jump into that. And I started doing that. And I felt horrible. <laughs> I thought, oh, I've done mealless Mondays. Oh. I could do this. And it was January. I was cold. I was cranky. It didn't feel right. I overate on my days that I was eating and I felt deprived of the days. I It wasn't right. About 10 days, I just forget it. I went back to my one meal a day. I said, oh, I'll tackle it again in the, in this summer. This summer happened and you know, I've been maintaining fine, but well, I haven't done anything drastic since then, but I know it's there. I love your toolbox chapter, and I was having more hormonal issues this summer with a period of stress, and I was more tackling my sleep more than I was getting this extra, you know, 15, 20 pounds off. So it'll come in time. I didn't gain this weight overnight, and I'm not going to lose it overnight, and I'm definitely building muscle. I've been exercising a lot and concentrating on strength. And so I'm, I'm gaining fitness in other ways. So anyway, it's going well. I think that's important. I, I really am, will be interested to know what happens after you get your hormone levels checked, if your doctor decides to do any kind of replacement for you at this point, because I really think that could be transformational. You know, a lot of women, if you're stuck, if you're going through the transition and everything just all of a sudden ground to a halt or your waist got bigger, really look look to those hormone levels. That could be really what you need because, you know, the average woman gains weight through the menopausal transition. And there are biological reasons why. It's not because we all of a sudden lose our ability to eat well. Your body is doing something. It's not your fault. And you can't stop it unless you know what's happening. It's true. It's true. And we all friends and acquaintances of a certain age. And, you know, so many, it's just seems to be everybody's getting that middle weight around. And that's why when I started gaining weight around my middle, I knew about waist to hip ratio. I knew about 35 inch measurement. So I went home after I tried to zip up my coat 
and I measured my waist and, and I thought I'm not over 38, 35 inches. Well, I was, I was 30 over 38 inch waist. And I thought, okay, this has got to stop. So that's when I really, I really committed, but I've lost nine inches in my waist. I've lost seven inches in my hips. So, so that's, I definitely got that down. That was, that was great, but yeah. It's going well, and I I feel a lot stronger, and um, I have to watch it, but it's a, definitely a doable way of life. It really, really is. I, I love the lesson that people can take from this when you were, you know, it was after after the holidays, it was January of 2022, and you were you were very motivated to do ADF. I mean, you were really motivated to do it. You wanted to stop the plateau. You felt like that would be a great way to do it, but you listened to your body and it didn't feel right. So you tweaked it till it was easy and you quit doing that. You're like, this is not right for me right now. And that's what I want people to do. If something isn't feeling good, if it's harder and harder, then it is not the right tool for your your toolbox right then. Yeah, exactly. That's very, very true. Every time things have not gone as scheduled. Every time that I felt weird or had to open my window because I felt like I had to eat or uh, I didn't lose the weight I thought I was going to lose or this and that happened, it's every time things have not gone according to plan, it has been so educational and instructive that you've always learned something from it. And that's fine. It's always good to learn. You know, when I when I was losing weight last summer at this great clip, I was getting out my calculator and my calendar and I thought, okay, I'm losing one and a half pounds oh. a week, two pounds a week. And I, by this date, I'm going to weigh this much. And now I look back at that and thinking, yeah, right. right. <laughs> we have other plans. Yeah, the projection just did not keep going the way that it had been. Yeah. But the holidays were different. It was really good going through the holidays because I thought, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm always going to fast every day, but I have little longer windows and, and I'm, I love to cook and I'm baking and cooking and I cook the regular things for, for Thanksgiving and, and for Christmas and all of that. But the day after Thanksgiving, usually there's a couple days of leftovers. You're like, okay, we're going to have more. The day after Thanksgiving, I thought, I do not want that stuffing and gravy and heavy food. I want to, I just wanted different food. I wanted, I took that turkey carcass. I made a big pot of turkey vegetable soup with some beans in it. That sounded good to me. All that. Yum. My tastes have definitely changed. Appetite correction is a thing. It's great to roll with that. But, oh, another thing I was going to say about you is when I read Fast Feast Repeat, I was so coming to it from a, a keto space or from a low carb space. A lot of people, somehow intermittent fasting and low carb go hand in hand. And I was so grateful <laughs> that keto did not work out for you, Jen Stevens. I'm so glad that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yeah. Because I'm thinking she's eating a baked potato every day and losing weight and eating these carbs really drove home the fact that it's not for everybody. And intermittent fasting worked with whatever works for you and your body. And it doesn't have to be this low carb situation. And it was really good for me to hear. If keto had worked for me, Mm -hmm. it would be completely a different place. I mean, because if keto had worked for me, I would be like, everyone should do keto. And I would never have discovered 
bioindividuality by going down. I mean, I didn't discover it, obviously. There's other people talking about it, but I would be one of the people that was like, nope, everyone should do keto because it worked for me. And of course, that's not what happened. And that was really the puzzle, you know, the Facebook groups. And I've talked about this before in 2017 when we're rolling right along. And that was when keto and intermittent fasting were like huge around 2017, 2018. Right. And everyone was arguing, the people who did well on keto 100% thought everyone would do well on keto. And the advice was, you just aren't ketoing right if it's not working for you. (laughs) And I mean, that was it. I remember being in the keto groups. They're like, well, you just don't have your macros right. You need more fat. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right, but I'll try. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Still didn't Mm -hmm. work. But, you know, if if it had, I would be one of those people too, probably. Well, just eat more fat. You do it more like me, you'll, you'll find it. But you know, in the Facebook groups, people were just arguing about what to eat. And I was like, how could it be so different? Surely the body works one way. I have a washing machine. It works one way. The guy repairs it. He knows how it works. It doesn't work different ways. Our bodies work one way. We've got all the same body parts. Oh, guess what? No, we don't. You know, our gut microbiomes are different. Our genes are different. We're not identical washing machines. Yeah. And that was freedom. That was definitely freedom. And then it Again, that's why when somebody asks you, well, what are you eating? What are you doing? What's your window? I don't want to tell them. You know, you got to find out what works for you. What what window works for you? What did your body want to eat? And and also and also food is so complicated. It's fuel for our bodies and and all of that, but it's also tied so much to you know history and culture and family and comfort and all of these things that food and holidays and all these things that food is. And that's different for everybody as well. And everybody comes to it from a different place and our all of our diets can't be the same. That is so true. You know, my my son and my daughter-in-law were just here for a few days. They visited from San Francisco. Kate is a vegetarian, not vegan, but she doesn't do well with a lot of dairy. So she and I were having a conversation about, you know, dairy and it doesn't work for everybody and it makes her stomach hurt, you know, so she doesn't eat a lot of it. She can have a little bit, but dairy works really well for me. It also works well for Cal. And and so they they respect each other's differences with the foods that they eat and accept that, you know, certain things don't work for her, but they do work for him and, and you know, vice versa. But it's just she was raised to eating different things than he was. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. was from a different part, different region of the country, you know. So we're still meant right. to enjoy it, though. Like she enjoys her meals, I enjoy my meals, and and we're meant to enjoy what we're eating. Yes. Yeah, for sure, because that leads to satiety, and it, you don't have to eat as much if you're enjoying it more. You know, I took a mindful meditation workshop for oh, about a six-week class, and then, I mean, we met once a week, and then we had a weekend of it, and we did mindful eating, like an eating meditation. And it was fascinating. Like everybody got a raspberry or something and they really let it, and we were instructed to move it around your mouth and really taste all the, it, it was very satisfying and we need to enjoy our, our food more. And that, and it's different for, for everyone. But, uh, and that's what I tell people. I love what you said. Yeah. What what you said, it just was kind of like, like, you know, a light bulb went off and, It's true. Enjoyment helps with satiety. You know, you just said that if we're making ourselves choke down a healthy meal that we don't enjoy, it might be giving your body really good fuel 
It might be giving your body really good nutrients, but if you didn't enjoy it, you're not going to feel satisfied. No. And this feeling deprived, this is what's kicked me out of diets previously is this feeling of, no, I don't really want that. This feeling of deprivation and that, oh, I can't have that. When I was doing low carb, I thought, oh, I kept thinking about, it was in the winter. I kept thinking about my fig tree and the vegetable. We have a big garden and I grow winter squash and beets and all these things that are so high carb. I thought, can I not eat this ever again? I mean, I kept thinking about what I couldn't have rather than what I, I could have. And It's like, don't think about the 600, I mean, don't think about the pink elephant. Don't think about a pink elephant. Well, what are you thinking about? A pink elephant. (laughs) It's all you're you're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. But with fasting, the fact that nothing's off the table, I can eat whatever I want, but what I want to eat has changed. I can, I'm free to go eat that croissant and dunk it in, you know, heavy cream during my eating window, but I don't want to eat that. That won't make me feel good. It's really changed food choices in a way that I did not expect. You don't have to force it anymore. Like last night we went out to eat. We're at a restaurant with a pretty extensive menu. And I I enjoy looking through that menu and thinking, how will this be if I eat this? And I think about each thing and I I consider how, how will I feel satisfied after eating it? So I ended up with a Cuban sandwich (laughs) <laughs> and it was so good. It had crispy pickles in there and Swiss cheese and ham on this really nice bun. Oh, totally. And um, we opened with plantains over black beans <laughs> and a little chopped up. Oh, it was delicious. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> so great. good. We had to get some vegetarian options because Kate likes those, but it was absolutely fantastic. But as I was looking through the menu, you know, I was like, this salad looks good. And I was like, how will I feel after eating that? I'm like, I need something else. And, you know, I don't always eat meat, but last night, maybe because we've been kind of being more vegetarian with Kate around, the meat just sounded good. So that's what I chose. Interestingly, Cal had fish and chips, and he does not share my dislike of fish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. You don't like fish, do you? Yeah, that's right. He's like, try it. You'll like it. I'm like, I will not. I will not like it. So I took a bite. I was like, yeah, it tastes like fish. No. I think I think you know by now whether so do you, you like, fish? like it or not. I love fish, and my fish has increased, and that that's one thing that really my appetite correction. Because every day when I fast, I think, okay, what am I going to eat today? What do I feel like? What sounds good? What's in season? I just kind of plan out my meal because I've got to be window worthy, and I love my meal. And when appetite correction was becoming really obvious to me, one day I thought, man, you know what I really want is a sardine sandwich. And I couldn't believe I wanted that because I didn't, I mean, I, sardines are okay, but it's not something I'd really want, but I really wanted it that day. And that wanting really surprised me. So sure enough, my window opened, I made myself like an open face sardine sandwich, just the way I wanted with capers on it and fresh tomatoes out of the garden and some sharp cheese or whatever. And it was delicious. And it's exactly what I wanted. But it was so surprising. That kind of thing happens once in a while. Yeah, your body needed something in those sardines. Now, my body has never, never asked for that. <laughs> That's never <laughs> happened. If it ever to does, you. I will listen. I promise <laughs> I will listen. Yes. <laughs> First, I'll be surprised and then I will, right. I will listen. But so yep, stuff like I'm not going to say that it couldn't ever happen. Leave yourself open to the possibility. What does your window look like? I know you said you don't want to tell everybody what your window is because it's not universal and we get that, but people do like to hear what's working for you. Well, I tell you, since I've uh, 
used to have like a, you know, three to six or maybe four to six eating window. But since um, I've had some more hormonal symptoms, I've kind of moved it up to being a little earlier in the day and trying not to eat later at, at night. But I tried to open with uh, open with an apple cider vinegar and some water on the Zoe podcast. They were talking about how that helps with glucose regulation. So I'm a, you, you know, I'm a devotee. You heard the glucose goddess on there, didn't you? Yeah, that was instructive. Yeah, I love that podcast. And then I try to open with vegetables, raw vegetables with some kind of dip. I make a, you know, homemade hummus or some kind of a dip. And I, it kind of satisfied the whole munchy grazing thing to have a plate of raw vegetables, dipping in olives, eat olives. And then I just try to prioritize a lot of protein, protein and vegetables, and then starchy vegetables. I don't do a lot of grains. I try not to eat flowers. That being said, I mean, if it's somebody's birthday, I'll have a piece of birthday cake and nothing is off limits, but I feel better when I keep it at, you know, as whole as possible. I love beans. I'd rather have beans than grains and starchy vegetables and plenty of protein. You know how I feel about beans. I know. I'm with you. (laughs) At what time do you you find that your window works best? It's about from, yesterday was about 2 to 4.30. But then, okay, here's a confession. I was out after that and I was picking some blackberries and I thought, I am, this is the only time these are going to be ripe. And I had a few blackberries because they're never going to be ripe and so wonderful right off the vine any other time of, of season. So I did, I opened my window a little later, had a few of those, but they agreed with me fine. So I tried to keep it short. I have to be careful of window creep. I can... My window gets long. I start looking for something to eat. And I'm, I'm not hungry. I'm just looking for something to eat. I need to shut it down, close my window, be done. So I have to be careful of yeah, that. I'm but 100% usually, like that too. Yeah. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Afternoon, one to three or... I don't know. It's about a three hour, two or three hour window sometime in the afternoon. And that can be different. I do not open in the morning and I don't try to eat late at, later at night. I try to 
not have food after six is my goal. Yeah. And that, that's just, you know, we're all so different with the way that that works for us. For me, the way I have nipped my window creep in the bud is waiting till 5 p.m. to open my window. I've gone back old school to how I was living when I was a school teacher, literally old school. I start for the month of August. I decided my goal would be to wait till five, you know, because I'd been mm-hmm. opening earlier and earlier because I'm at the beach and I can. And, you know, sure. I am loving waiting till five again. It just feels so good to me. I never have to think about, oh, I shouldn't have that. My window should be closed now because I opened it too. Instead, if I'm once my window opens at five, it's open and it just, it feels like really, really good. So I'm back to that. When do you go to bed? Well, you know, I usually go to bed. We start winding things down around nine, I'm uh, around and then nine or, or 10 at the very latest. But you can see if I open at five, even if I stay awake till 10, I mean, I'm probably not going to be eating up until 10, but that would be a max of a five hour window. So there's no window creep allowed but, you know, when I was opening earlier, like two o'clock, you know, I would eat a very hearty snack. Then we might have dinner at seven. And then I, by by then, by seven, I'm able to eat a really big meal. And so I, I think I was eating more because of the, the length between my snack and dinner. Pushing that window later really made a difference for me. Yeah, I need to try that again. I was doing that. But again, I was trying not to eat later on because I might eat too much food in my stomach. It's hard for me to sleep. And it was, I don't know. Well, see, that doesn't mean that you should do what I'm doing. You don't have, don't change it if what you do feels good to you. You know, my window, this, this is not, I'm not saying everybody should wait till five by, by, by any means. It just, I can't believe how great I'm feeling. Like when Cal and Kate were here, I gave myself permission to open earlier if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I did one day because I was baking a pie. I made a peach pie. You know, when people say easy as pie, that is a lie. Pie is hard. <laughs> it is not so you easy. You ever made a pie pie crust from scratch? Oh, all the time. Yeah. It's but not I'd easy. Rather, I'm not good at it. I'd rather <laughs> not. That's why I do lots of cobblers. It's put them all in there, put some kind of crumbly thing on the top. No, it is not easy as pie. <laughs> no, pie crust is so hard. Like I, I rolled it all out. I, we were at the beach house. I didn't have a rolling pin. So mm. here's a little tip. You can use a wine bottle or a vodka bottle, which is what I used, a vodka bottle, because it was the best <laughs> shape. But I rolled it all out. But by the time I'd fiddled around with it, it had warmed up too much. So it all ripped apart when I'm mm. trying to put it in the pie pan. So I had to start over and add more flour. And I finally got <laughs> it in there. And then I was like, oh, help. you know. <laughs> but it turned out delicious. But that day, I opened my window a little earlier. They better appreciate that. That Absolutely. I told them how hard it was. But we did appreciate it. It was delicious. <laughs> we had it with ice cream and... <laughs> It was definitely window worthy, but that's the only day I open my window a little earlier. But other than that, you know, yesterday they're, they're frequent eaters, Cal and Kate are. And so Mm. they're like eating breakfast and they're having lunch, then they're having a (laughs) snack and they're like, now we're ready for dinner. I'm like, what? Okay. So, (laughs) but watching them eat all day, I was like, I I really don't need to eat. No, I'm fine. (laughs) It just, no, you you don't. You don't have to. And that's it's so nice to just think about other things for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to tell you something that happened. This is so instructive. Every every Saturday, my husband and I go shopping in a near, nearby town, and we are gone from like 8 in the morning till about 2 in the afternoon. And I wait to get home before I eat anything. And anyway, it's just never a problem. And one day you're getting ready to leave and be gone for the whole day. And I just 
felt like I had to eat something immediately. And this was in the morning and I never eat in the morning. And it was so weird. And I thought, I'm not going to make it till two or three in the afternoon. I got to pack some snacks or something. If I keep feeling this way, it's not going to be pretty. And I, and I just, it was so odd. And so I packed, you know, an apple and some whatever snacks I did. And, and then I thought back what happened that morning. And I put a raw honey mask on my face. Ever do that? It's because honey is a humectant and oh. it attracts moisture. I put honey on my face and then I jumped in the shower and I rinsed it off and I washed my hair and I got a little honey in my mouth. Well, I spit it out immediately oh. and I washed my mouth out immediately in the shower. But I had a taste of that sweet honey and that was enough to trigger me to want to eat. And I thought, what that if is I was so having interesting. a- yeah. What if I had a cup of tea and I thought, oh, I'll just put some honey in my tea. That wouldn't make that big a difference. Yeah. Um, it's That was really obvious to me. And I, I, I wrote it out. Of course, I was fine. I, I continued on fasting, but that was what was different that morning. And I definitely yeah, you had different. that cephalic phase insulin response because that totally. little bit of honey dripping in your mouth was not enough, you know, quote, calories to cause your body to have a blood sugar increase and a crap. It wasn't, but it was your brain saying, oop, sweetness, it's honey. We know what that is. And then sending out some insulin and then your blood sugar dropped. Wow. I love, I love that you shared that story. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But Anyway, yeah, I've been leading water exercise at my local pool for about eight years now. And, you know, feeling like a hypocrite because I am, (laughs) here I am an overweight person leading a fitness class, but uh, I love the water. And I started teaching that because I was taking an evening class and the teacher was leaving and I didn't, I wanted the the class to continue and it was good. Class was going to go away. And she says, well, Angie, you're good in the water and you're here all the time. You might as well teach this class. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I did. So I applied and I got the job and I've been leading various classes ever since. But I love the water. It's really great for core strength and uh, for muscle. And we just have a good time. And the thing is, when I was a little girl, the thing I loved to do best, most fun was to play in the water with my friends. And I feel like we are still playing in the water with my friends and we have a good time. But also I want to say that it has a water aerobics has this reputation of being for little old ladies and flowered swim caps who are splashing around before they go play canasta at the retirement center. And it doesn't have to be that way. Well, let me share this with, with everybody. You know, I'm, I'm doing water aerobics now and Cal and Kate were in town and they love to stay fit. You know, they run, in the morning, things like that. They always go for long walks. And so I was like, would y'all like to come to water aerobics with me? Because I didn't want to miss class, but you know, I wasn't going to go if they didn't want to go. I wanted to spend time with them. And they're like, okay, we'll go. And Chad went. We were all there as a family. It was hilarious. But today, Cal was sitting on the sofa. And he's like, my muscles, they hurt. <laughs> I'm aching. You Because know, he did all the, the little water barbells that we use that give you the resistance in the water. He did all that. And he's like, that was a lot of activity. So, you know, we had the youngsters in the pool with us and me and Chad. And then there's obviously people older than us. But we have a lot of men that come to our, our water aerobics class here in our neighborhood. And Chad goes, but he's definitely not the only man. There were like six men in the pool yesterday with us. I am so glad to hear that because it seems to be 
so many, a lot of women and they'll take their husbands once in a while. And then, then the husbands get into it, but yeah, around here it doesn't happen, but I'm glad because it, it's very good exercise. And if you feel like you're not getting a good enough extra workout, you either, you know, not, you get out of it, what you put into it, you're not working hard enough or you're in the wrong kind of class. You know how exhausted we can be when we swim, the water, you got resistance all around you. And it's so good for your core and for your muscles. And if you've had an injury, you're, you know, it takes the pressure off of of your joints and there's just so much you can do in the water. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I've seen people, I've seen young people seemingly fit in their twenties come to my class and I get them in there and it's obvious they have no core strength. I teach a deep water class. So we wear a, a, a belt uh, around our waist, a buoyant belt, or we wear cuffs on our ankles that are buoyant and they offer resistance and we work against those. But you put them in, put some people in the water and they have no core, no core. And I've seen 80 year old women who have really good core strength and it works great parts of your body. And um, anyway, highly, highly recommended. And if I, I'm either doing that or I started and I or I take long, long walks up hills. I've been really prioritizing hills and elevations and ascents and descents. And I walk where I can look at the sun in the morning in my face. I prioritizing that. And Me I've too. recently yep. I was yeah. doing that this morning on the beach, looking looking getting the sun, early morning sun helps our circadian rhythm, helps us have melatonin so that when we go to bed we can sleep well. Yeah, right. I think that's important doing that. And I recently added, started rucking. I added a weight vest to my routine because I was doing the same route and I do all these hills, but I wanted to challenge myself. So I have this weight vest and I can go from, you know, four to 40 pounds. I can put increments of four pound weights through this thing. And I started with 12 pounds and I'm doing my route and then I increased it, increased it. And this morning, what I was at 28 pounds and an extra weight strap to your body, you really, you feel it. And it really, I figure it's good for me because I'm in the water so much to do something with extra weight on my large muscle groups and my bones. And, and I had people stop me, women stop me and they say, do you have sarcopenia or do you have, no, osteopenia? I said, no. Oh, my doctor says I should get a weighted belt and walk with it. I said, well, here you go. Well, it's true. You know, having that weight bearing exercise, extra weight on your bones helps them to stay strong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's been a really a great thing. And I've been feeling good about that. But I, I know once I got a Fitbit and realized how few calories I was burning when I exercised, it became apparent that I'm not going to lose weight by exercise alone. And diet and fasting was everything for me. But boy, exercise sure makes me feel really good. And it helps with gaining muscle. And in, my, in the pool, my body composition has entirely changed. I used to float like Bob, like a cork, and now I sink like a rock. So I know my body composition is very different just because how it behaves in the that. water. It's really obvious. That's awesome. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, you hear this all the time, but it's true. You know, trust trust the process and and don't think that just because 
you're a certain age or a certain stage in your life that uh, weight loss is impossible for you because it's not. And to just give it a try and to really educate yourself about the benefits of it because it goes so far beyond weight loss and just to enjoy enjoy the process. And I want to shout out especially to the, the, the men in your community, which I'm a part of, and in the Facebook groups. And it seems like they're just a bunch of women talking about this, but I'm so grateful when men get on and share their stories and come on your podcast. And we need to hear their voices and hear their stories because it's important to get all all inputs. A hundred percent. I love it when men join the community and they're active. It's not as many as women. I mean, we're. I think a lot no. of men may may be in there here and there. They dip in, they dip out. But I I would love to. We have a little man section that they can go in and <laughs> talk to yeah, each other. That's but, great. You know, I would love to see more men more men joining in and not to be intimidated. You know, even in the Facebook groups, we were ninety six percent women. <laughs> <laughs> I believe back in, it. The, in the day. But of course, well, when you have 300,000 people, that's still a lot of men, even with 96% women. It was still a, well, a, num- sure. a good number of men. But we want to hear from you men. We want you to join. We want you to talk to us. We want to hear how you're doing. Well, Angie, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story. Jen, thank you. I just can't thank you enough for making this intermittent fasting accessible for everyone in the friendly way that you write and communicate and all that you do. So thank you so much. You're changing lives. Totally. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.